0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to HHH, the podcast where we talk about the horrible humans in history. I am your host, Angela Pearson, and I am so excited to have you guys here. This is my first ever podcast. I have never made a podcast before, so your patience is requested, but I'm excited to get this started because I actually studied history I have a master's degree in history and I also studied psychology I have a bachelor's de- degree in psychology and I love reading about the crazy stories in history where you read them and you're like there is no possible way that that is real well I'm gonna tell you it's real and we're gonna talk about every single one of those so this podcast like I said is about the horrible humans in history all of those people that you know, you've heard folk tales of or you've never heard of, but have done horrible, awful things throughout history. So we're gonna talk about that. You guys should stick around. We're gonna release an episode once a week, every week. So come back, learn about all these new people that are just wretched human beings. Today, because this is our first ever episode, we are going to do someone very special. Because we're calling the podcast HHH, we are going to obviously start with H.H. Holmes. If you have never, ever heard of H.H. Holmes, you are in for a treat. He is the first known serial killer in the United States, and we're going to dive into what made him such a horrible human in history, and I'm really excited to talk about him because He confessed to up to 27 murders, but people believe he actually murdered close to 200 people. And if you've never heard of the murder castle, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. So stay tuned and join us here on HHH. So let's dive in to H.H. Holmes' childhood and where he came from. So H.H. Holmes was actually born Herman Webster Mudgett. Yeah, Herman Webster Mudgett. Oh, poor guy. What a horrible name. And he actually changed his name quite a few times. He went by H.M. Howard, Harry Gordon, and Mr. Pratt at some point in his life. Now, I don't blame him for changing his name because Herman Webster Budget is a rough name. Sorry if that is your name. That's a rough name. So I don't blame him for changing his name, but he actually had some good reasons why he changed his name. We'll dive into those a little bit later. But first, he was born May 16th, 1861, to Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price in Gillington, New Hampshire. So his Father was actually a pretty big alcoholic and a very abusive dad. And his mother was super duper religious. So he had two ends of the spectrum in his home. And he, even despite having a hard childhood, he was a really good student and actually a favorite amongst the mothers in the town. He was known as a really good kid, all the mothers really liked him. His mother even said he never did anything wrong. He never had to be scolded for not doing as he was told, nor for playing pranks. I never knew him to torment anyone, especially animals. Herman was too tender-hearted for anything like that. Now, this is coming from his mother, so obviously she's going to paint him in a pretty good light, but other people had other opinions about him as a child. Some claimed that he actually would dissect animals in the forest, and a lot of people had issues because he could not look them in the eye. He seemed really sketchy because he would never make direct eye contact with anyone. And this was actually something that I noticed in my research that a lot of people said about him throughout his entire life. But fun fact he was actually diagnosed with strab. Strap strabismus, I think is how you say it, or being cross-eyed in his left eye. So he genuinely couldn't look people in the eye, but people didn't know that. They just assumed he was sketchy because he would never look people in the eye. Turns out he couldn't, but it probably was good that he seemed a little sketchy and we'll figure out a little bit more why. But Herman Webster Mudgett or H.H. Holmes was actually bullied quite a bit in school. And one day, the town doctor actually had received a new skeleton for his office. Now, this skeleton wasn't like the skeletons that we have nowadays. Nowadays, they're made out of plastic, but this skeleton was a real human skeleton. So these bullies one day. Decided to pull a prank on H.H. Holmes and lock him in the closet with the skeleton. Now, a lot of people believe that this is what actually triggered H.H. Holmes' fascination with death and dying and the body, because he did end up going to med school to learn more about the human body. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. but first we gotta talk about what he did before he left for school. So when he completed his studies, he worked a lot of odd jobs and even taught school himself. While he was working one of these odd jobs, he fell in love with Clara Lovering. She was the daughter of one of the people that employed H.H. Holmes, and they fell head over hills for each other. Well, Clara's Father didn't really like H.H. Holmes. And so they kept their relationship a secret for a while. And at the age of 17, Clara and H.H. H. Holmes secretly got married. They didn't tell anyone. She still lived with her parents. He still lived where he was living. And eventually, their secret was revealed and they moved in with each other. And soon after, Clara actually gave birth to a son. Well, once Clara gave birth, H.H. Holmes took off for medical school. He abandoned them. And so she moved back in with her parents and he left for medical school. Well, shocker, when he got to medical school, he pretended to be a single man and was living the single man life. So he went to University of Michigan Medical School was a fantastic student and, like I said, lived like a bachelor. He hung out with lots of different ladies. His favorite class, this is going to come as no surprise to anyone, was the cadaver labs. He loved being able to dissect people and look at what they looked like on the inside. In fact, there's a story that he he was living in an apartment with other Members of his class. And one day, the housekeeper, well, the lady who he was renting from, was trying to do some tidying and went up to his room and smelled this awful, awful smell coming from his bedroom. When she went into his room, she discovered a child's cadaver. So H.H. Holmes had actually stolen a child's cadaver from his school. And brought it home so he could dissect it by himself. And it was only found because of the terrible, terrible smell. Now, I need to talk a little bit about these cadavers that H.H. Holmes was working with. Nowadays, people can donate their bodies to science and they will be donated to a university so students can use them. Back in the day, that was not a thing. I mean, you could technically donate your family members body, but most people didn't do that. But they didn't have a really large supply of bodies to go around for these medical schools. So it was kind of a tradition for the students to go grave robbing. They would dig up bodies, freshly buried bodies, steal them and bring them back to the university. Now H.H. Holmes participated in this, and this is actually what triggered his first idea for his first con, because I don't think I mentioned this. In addition to being a ruthless serial killer, H.H. Holmes was a renowned con man. He conned everyone. So him grieving, grave robbing was the first time he came up with his first scheme. And we'll talk a little bit about this scheme. It's it, it will come back to haunt him basically. But his first con idea is basically you dig up a grave, dig up a body, and then you take out an insurance policy on somebody and fake their death and collect the insurance money using the body that you dug up to be the proof of death for the individual. So that was his first idea of a con. So that is going to start his Downfall, <laughs> his rise to horribleness, and his downfall all at the same time. So, H.H. Holmes graduated in 1884 and moved to Chicago, where he actually started using the name H.H. H. Holmes. He first started using it when he moved to Chicago. Now, in Chicago, he married his second wife. I didn't ever say that he divorced his first wife because he didn't. He married his second wife while still pretending that he went and got a divorce from his first wife. He never did. So he was still legally married to his first wife and now married a second wife. And he came to own a pharmacy in Chicago. So the story of this pharmacy is that an old couple owned it and he started working for them. and the old man became ill and disappeared. Well, he still continued to work for the old woman. And then one day she was just gone. And when people asked her or asked H.H. H. Holmes where she had gone, he would tell them, well, she moved to California. She wanted to be near more family out in California. So she moved to California and left me the pharmacy. Now, it's just rumored that he actually killed them. There's no evidence or proof that he killed them, but it seems pretty sketchy. And you'll notice that his excuse for moving to California is something that he uses often. So while he had started this pharmacy, he also purchased some land that would house the murder castle. If you have not heard of the murder castle, ooh. Get ready because this is crazy. So he purchased the uh, murder castle, the land, and completed the first two floors in 1891. And this is in, located in Inglewood, Chicago. Right now, I think a post office is located on the location where this uh, hotel, quote unquote, hotel used to be. Um, but it was just a few blocks away. From the 19, 19, sorry, 1893 World Fair. And he didn't know this was coming, but it was a very convenient location for him. Because what he would do is he would hire and then fire contractors. He only would give them bits and pieces of the plans of his hotel and what he was planning on doing with it. So they would start completing one area of the hotel and he would fire them. Now, a lot of people think the reason why he did this was to avoid paying them because if they never really actually finished the job, he didn't have to pay them. But a lot of people also believe that he did this to cover up all the secrets he was trying to hide from people about what he was planning on doing in this murder castle. I think it's a combination of both. I think he genuinely didn't want to pay for anything because he always tried to get out of paying for anything and weaseled his way out of it. So I think that is a very good assumption, but I also believe that he was trying to hide things in the hotel because when I tell you the things that are in the hotel, you will agree with that as well. So when he was setting up his hotel, these are just some of the things that he included. First, he had chutes that led from every single floor straight down to the basement, including the third floor once that was built. So there was a, it was a three-story hotel with chutes leading straight to the basement. There were secret stale, stairwells throughout the hotel. He soundproofed rooms so you couldn't hear what was going on in them. He also had pipes that were piping into rooms that could fill rooms with gas to poison people. There were trap doors. The hallways were purposely disorienting so people would get lost easier. There was a room that held a large vault that was big enough to fit a person inside of it. He even had peepholes in the doors. And in the basement, ooh, the basement's the worst part. He had a large furnace in there. It was large enough to fit a human body. Now, he claimed that that was for glass blowing, a hobby that he was trying to make money off of, but he never blew any glass or sold any of the glass or anything like that. So I have a really hard time believing that a furnace large enough to fit a human body was there for him to do glass blowing. He also had a dissecting table in the basement and a quick lime pit. If you follow true crime at all, you will know what quick lime is. If you don't, it's a substance that, we'll just say, gets rid of the evidence of murders really quickly. (laughs) So we'll go with that. So he had all of those things in the basement. And he also had a business of selling skeletons to doctors. And a lot of people believe that A lot of his victims were sold off in this manner as skeletons to doctors who were in the market for buying a skeleton for their office. So lots of lots of sketchy things happening in this hotel. So it wouldn't surprise me that he was trying to hide these up. The first floor of the hotel was full of shops and it even had a pharmacy. The second floor of the hotel had apartments so long-term living and the third floor, which was built a little later, it was built just before the world's fair was the level that actually held the hotel rooms where people would say stay. So when he opened his hotel or should I say murder castle, you can't see me, but I'm doing quotations with my fingers, <laughs> but when he opened his murder castle, he put ads in the paper specifically looking for single women to help at the hotel. Because at this point in history, women were finally starting to gain their independence. They were becoming financially independent from men. And so there were a lot of women striking out on their own, trying to earn a living for themselves. And he was specifically targeting these women who didn't have really strong connections with their families and wouldn't necessarily be missed if they vanished. So he was specifically targeting these women to come and work in his hotel. And a lot of those women did eventually end up go missing. But uh, the first official murder that occurred at the murder hotel actually hasn't been really confirmed as an official murder. But since his arrest and everything People really suspect that he actually did indeed murder this individual. So what happened was, like I mentioned, H.H. Holmes did not like paying for things. He did anything in his power to not pay for things. So there was a debt collector coming to collect on a debt that H.H. Holmes owed. Well, when he got off the train and was walking towards the hotel, The man collapsed and started having like a seizure and shaking and everything. Well, H.H. Holmes ran into his pharmacy and came back and everyone saw him dunk, like dump a dark liquid into the man's mouth. He was claiming to help. He was pretending like he was helping the man, but the man soon died after the liquid was poured into his mouth. So a lot of people believed that H.H. Holmes actually poisoned this man to get out of having to pay a debt. But he was never charged for the murder. Everyone just assumed he was trying to help. And since he was a pharmacist, they couldn't question, you know, he knew what he was doing. It must have been something that would have helped this man. So why would they question it? So that was the first murder that took place next to the murder castle. The first confirmed murder... They know for sure that H.H. Holmes killed this individual was Julia Connor and her daughter Pearl. So Julia and her husband moved into the murder castle. It wasn't known by that until after his arrest, but we're just gonna call it that for ease of explaining the story. So Julia and her husband, Ned moved into the hotel with H.H. H. Holmes. Ned was helping in the pharmacy and Julie would help around the hotel and soon became very close, very, very close with H.H. H. Holmes. In fact, they ended up having an affair to the point where ugh, this H.H. H. Holmes, horrible human, he bragged to her husband, Ned, about things that, only if you had been intimate, you would know about Julia. And so Ned eventually had enough because not only did H.H. H. Holmes have an affair with his wife, when his sister came to visit H.H. H. Holmes hit on his sister and tried to convince her to, you know, do things with him. So not only did he Still Ned's wife, he was trying to hit on his sister and he had had enough. So Ned left. Ned divorced Julia and left Julia and his daughter, Pearl. Well, he decided he wanted to come back to get Pearl. And when he arrived, Julia and Pearl were nowhere to be found. And H.H. H. Holmes pretended to be concerned Even was like, you know what, I'll send out a search party. We'll figure out where they went. And eventually he said, you know what, actually, she got remarried and moved out to California. Like I said, his favorite alibi, she she remarried and moved to California. And Ned didn't necessarily believe it, but he had to because he had no other way to contact his daughter. Had no way to contact his ex wife. So he just kind of let it drop because he didn't know what else to do. Well, H.H. Holmes later confessed that Julia had actually died in an abortion attempt. So she had gotten pregnant while they were having an affair and they didn't want to have that baby. So H.H. Holmes tried to perform an abortion on Julia and it ended up killing her, and then he decided he also had to kill little little Pearl because she was a loose end, and he just could not deal with that, so he ended up killing her too, and the police actually ended up finding bones of a young girl in the basement of the castle, so they're very confident that H.H. Holmes killed both of those ladies. Now, his next victim was Emmeline Sigrand. She was hired as a stenographer for HH. H. Holmes. and shocker, or should I say not so shocking, she became Holmes's mistress. She was by him all the time and was very relied upon by HH H. Holmes. She became indispensable. and she confessed to H.H H. Holmes that she had actually met another man, and was going to get married. H.H. Holmes could not have that. She was what he relied on and he could not handle that. So he actually locked her in a large vault, forced her to write a letter to her fiance saying that she had run away with H.H. Holmes and not to come looking for her because she was happy and they had run away together. And it's believed that he pumped the vault full of gas to kill her. There are even rumors that the police found boot marks on the inside of the vault where she was kicking to try and get out of the vault to try and get him to open the door. So Emmeline was the second of the confirmed victims of H.H. Holmes. Now, the third victim, victims, I should say. Weren't the Williams sisters and potentially their brother? There's no way to fully confirm that he killed their brother, but it is strongly believed that he traveled out to Chicago, or not Chicago, he's in Chicago, traveled out to Colorado and killed their brother. So the Williams sisters are Minnie and Nina Williams. Minnie met H.H. Holmes first, and obviously, was another one of his mistresses, but she actually believed that she was married to H.H. H. Holmes. Now, remind you, he is already married to two other women. This is the third one that thinks she is married to H.H. H. Holmes. So they did everything together, and she even convinced her sister, Nina, to come to Chicago because H.H. H. H. Holmes was so amazing. It was such a great life. It was a, it was fantastic. She needed to be there. Well, Minnie and Nina were going to inherit a lot of money and a lot of land when their relative died. So H. H. Holmes saw this as an opportunity. People always saw Minnie and Holmes together until she suddenly vanished. She stopped being where he was and this is why they believe that he actually went out and killed their brother because he wanted to claim the land and the uh, wealth that was going to be put upon them once their family member died because they died pretty well. They disappeared pretty soon after that family member died and they were to inherit that money. And the land that he inherited from the William sister actually is where he built a second murder castle. He had never had a chance to actually use that murder castle, but he built it in Texas on the land that Minnie was supposed to inherit. After her disappearance, Minnie's name still appeared on a lot of documents. Like for the hotel, H.H. H. Holmes always changed who was in ownership of the hotel and whose name was on the deed and Minnie's name still appeared on a lot of legal documents even after she appeared. But it's believed that H.H. Holmes snuck Minnie and Nina's bodies out of the murder castle through trunks. Now, like I said, H.H. Holmes was a known uh, con artist. A lot of times what he would do is he would purchase a lot of goods and then hide them in a room in the murder castle, like literally wallpaper over the door so you didn't know there was a door there. And when the creditors came or the people he bought the stuff from came to recollect it because he never paid, you'd be like, see, it's not here. It's gone. You can't find it. It's not in here. And they would search the whole hotel and they could never find it. But then after they had left, He would fill trunks full of this stuff and send it out the back door and sell it and that kind of thing. So they believe that during one of these cons, he actually used that as an opportunity to move the Williams sisters' bodies out of the murder hotel. In addition to that, there was a documentary I was watching that actually you guys should watch. Um, It's called... American um oh i can't remember i'll think of it but it's pretty good um it's his hh holmes great-grandson digging into uh his great-grandfather's story and it turns out that hh holmes actually owned a cement factory right next to the river in chicago and they think that he used that as a way to dispose of bodies as well Because he bought a lot of stuff to make cement, but he never sold cement, ever. So they believe that it is possible that he had snuck those trunks to this cement factory and then he disposed of their bodies in the river. There's evidence that that is probably the case, but there's no way to fully confirm that. Oh, American Ripper, that's the name of this documentary. I think it's on Netflix right now. By the time you listen to it, it might not be there. But it's called American Ripper. He's trying to decide if his dad or his dad, his great-grandfather is also Jack the Ripper. I'll talk a little bit more about that a little later. But um many women who worked for H.H. Holmes would go missing. And later the police couldn't identify all the bodies that they found eh, in the hotel. So H. H. Holmes Killed a lot of people. And his next confirmed murder is what would lead to H.H. Holmes' downfall. So many of his murders in the past had been to cover his cons. Like the women knew too much or they were just now in the way and too much baggage. And so that is why he killed them. It wasn't because he necessarily enjoyed it. I'm sure he probably did some dissecting because like I said, in school, dissecting was his favorite thing and he was fascinated by that. But most of the time when he killed, it was because they were inconveniencing him. Sorry guys, it is really late while I'm recording this, so I apologize for my slurred words, but it inconvenienced him so he would get rid of them because they were no longer useful. Well. His next murder was one of those. Benjamin Peitzel, or Ben, was his right-hand man. They were always together. Ben helped him with a lot of his cons. They had a lot of cons going. They stole horses. There's a lot. There's a lot. We'll get into that in a minute. But Ben was always his right-hand man, and they had a plan where Ben would quote-unquote die, and they would collect On the insurance money so they were planning this insurance con and they even ran it past Ben's wife she was not a big fan not not liking this at all well at one point Ben and H.H. Holmes had actually had a con down in Texas where they were stealing horses and then reselling them up in Chicago well H.H. Holmes actually got caught got put into prison and had Marion Hedgepeth as a roommate in the prison cell. This is very important because H.H. H. Holmes told Hedgepeth about the con to get money for Ben Beitzel's death. Quote unquote death. And he asked, Do you want in on this? Would you like to join this con? We'll we'll pull you in. And Hedgepath was like, um, yeah, yeah, obviously I want money. <laughs> so that happened. They came back, made up all the plans for, so it was just him and Heitzel because Hedgepath was still in prison. They made up all the plans and they would go to Philadelphia to execute this plan. So they were going to dig up a body have the dead body there, they would burn it enough that they wouldn't be able to tell that it was actually Ben Peisel. Then they would collect on the insurance money and meet together to split the the booty that they got from this. While they were in Philadelphia, they hadn't gotten a body yet. And Ben Peisel actually received a letter from his wife saying that his child was super sick. I believe it was his son was super sick And she needed him to come home immediately because she needed help to help heal their son. And Heitzel, of course, is like, yeah, sorry, we got to put, we got to delay this. I can't do this right now. I need to go help my wife. We can do it once I'm done with that. Well, HH Holmes did not like this because they had been planning this for a really long time. and. It was finally about to happen and Peitzel was backing out on him. So H.H. Holmes actually ended up killing Ben Peitzel. And what they think happened is Ben Peitzel got super drunk. He was a massive drunk. He drank so much so they believed that he had passed out. And while he was passed out, H.H. Holmes used chloroform to poison him. There was so much chloroform that they actually found chloroform in his stomach. So they believe that A.J. Holmes actually dumped some down Heitzel's throat. And this was after the autopsy, because at first they genuinely did believe it was an accident. Because when the police found the body, which is a crazy story, I'll tell you in a second, but when they found it, it looked like an accident. So H.H. Holmes kills Ben Peisel with chloroform. Then he tries to make it look like an accident. So he kind of burns his skin a little bit, makes it look like this thing exploded, and that's what killed him. What H.H. Holmes had not known is that Ben Peisel, so they did this in what looked like an official business. And Ben Peisel had been talking to this gentleman who was looking for a job and wanted a job at their business. And Ben Peisel had told him, you know, come back, we'll talk to you tomorrow and we'll figure out what we can have you do. Well, this man came back the first day, knocked on the door. No one answered, a little confused. So he went away, came back the next day, kind of walked in, looked around a little bit, Didn't hear anything. On the third day, he came back and noticed that the door was cracked up to the apartment that was above the store. So he walked up there and he is the one who found Ben Peitzel's body. Now, H.H. Holmes didn't think that his body would be found that soon. He didn't know that Peitzel had been talking to this gentleman. So he didn't think anyone would find the body for at least a week or so. So H.H. H. Holmes had fled, went back to Chicago. He told Mrs. Peitzel that they needed someone to come and identify the body because at that point, by the time he made it back to Chicago, they had let her know that he had passed away and they needed to identify the body to be able to collect insurance. Well, because her son was sick, she could not leave. Their oldest couldn't leave. So Mrs. Peitzel because she was also ill at this time, she sent her 14-year-old daughter, Alice, with H.H. H. Holmes to go and identify the body. Can you imagine, as a 14-year-old, his body is decaying, it has been burned, it's been mutilated, and she has to go and identify this body with H.H. Holmes. So Mrs. Peisel puts Alice in Holmes's care. Soon, Mrs. Peisel would also send her other children, Nellie and Howard, with H.H. Holmes because he claimed, you know, we've identified the body, just send the kids, we'll meet. And so he picked up the kids and she was going to plan on meeting him somewhere to get this money, believing her husband probably was still alive because she knew about the con. She still thought it was a scam. That's why she sent her children with him. Well, H.H. H. Holmes decided to keep the kids separated from their mother so they wouldn't be able to tell the truth that, in fact, their dad and her husband was actually dead and he had killed them. So H.H. H. Holmes ended up killing all of the Pite's old children. He first killed Howard because he just genuinely got annoyed. He was crying all the time and wanted to go home and was Throwing fits and he had just had enough. So he ended up killing Howard first and tried burning the body. He poisoned him and then burned his body. Then, after he had killed the son, he would lock the two girls in a trunk and fill it with poison gas to kill them. So he ended up killing all the Peisel children. At this time, Miss Peisel didn't know anything about it. She still was planning on meeting up with. Uh, Holmes to get the money well when they actually met up with Carrie Peisel and when I say they I mean H.H. Holmes and his third wife third official wife so now there's four women who are supposedly married to H.H. Holmes only three of them were technically official I guess but he shows up with his third wife Georgiana Yotes yoke or Mrs. Howard, he was going by Mr. Howard at this time. And Carrie's like, well, where are my children? And Carrie uh, Georgiana actually was like, what children? I don't know what you're talking about. There have never been any children. And Carrie Pitesell's like, I need to know where my children are. And H.H. Holmes claims, you know, they're safe. They're fine. Well, what H.H. Holmes doesn't know at this point in time is remember he was in prison for stealing horses and asked a certain someone if he wanted to be a part of the scam. Well, Marion Hedgepeth held a grudge because he knew about the scam. He wanted to be a part of the scam and then found out that H. H. Holmes had left him out of the scam. So what did Marion Hedgepeth do? He went to the police and told them about the scam because he heard about the death of Peitzel. So he went to the police and said, hey, you know what? This is supposed to be a scam and H.H. H. Holmes did it. So on November 1894 in Boston, the police were able to track H.H. Holmes down. Now it was the Pinkerton National Detective Agency that was able to track him down And they had followed him for quite some time. Um, He was charged with the death of Benjamin Peitzel. And on May 7th, 1896, he was hung and found guilty of killing Ben Peitzel. Now, I found this really interesting in my research. His last meal, you'd think it'd be something really yummy and super good. His last dinner, was boiled eggs, fried toast, and coffee. (laughs) And that is what he had for his last meal, which I feel like he deserved because he was a total jerk. But ironically, he was very paranoid about body snatchers. I wonder why. So he was very, very paranoid about this because he knew that someone would want to come and steal his body. So he requested that his body be buried in cement so no one would be able to steal his body. And in this documentary that I had mentioned, the American, I don't know why I just lost it again, the American whatever. I said it before, you can rewind it and listen to it. But they actually dug up his grave and they dug down there was nothing, 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 and then they came to cement, and then they broke open the cement, and there was another layer of cement, and they broke that open, and there was a wood casket, and they broke that open, and they were actually able to find his body because there were people who actually believed that H. H. Holmes had escaped the death penalty and wasn't actually killed at that point in time, but. They were able to confirm in this documentary that, yes, he was indeed buried there, and he was indeed buried under a lot of cement because change Holmes was so paranoid and so worried about body snatchers. It's interesting that serial killers always get so paranoid that the thing they did to other people is going to happen to them. Very interesting. Anyways. There are a lot of myths about H.H. H. Holmes, a lot. So first, like I mentioned, they believed that H.H. H. Holmes had escaped death and they proved that wrong. His great-grandson proved that one wrong. And it was really interesting because they also believed his great-grandson thought he could be Jack the Ripper. And some of that information is pretty compelling. It's possible because there is a gap in H.H. Holmes' timeline where Jack the Ripper was pretty prolific in Europe. And then when he came back to the United States or wherever his record started up, that's when Jack the Ripper kind of disappeared. But H.H. Holmes has a pretty solid paper trail because of all the cons that he pulled throughout his life. So we can pretty much track his footsteps based off of the lawsuits that were filed against him guys there were so many he was always being sued and always being taken to court it is insane how many cons he tried to pull and he wasn't super successful but he never had to pay them back because he would just ignore it basically but we have that pretty solid paper trout until that little gap so kind of interesting as you recommend you watch it american ripper again i keep plugging it it's just really interesting but there was there's a lot of other information. Like H.H. H. Holmes, for example, himself was a huge liar. Huge liar. In fact, when he was being hung, like on a death's doorstep, he was telling lies about how many people he actually killed. He was over-exaggerating it, trying to make it sound like he was way worse than he was, but we genuinely don't know how many people he actually has killed because there was no way to actually track who disappeared and who didn't. Because in his own biography, there were people that he claimed that he had killed that were later found alive and well somewhere else. But there was a lot of other people that just vanished and were nowhere to be found. So he lied about so many things. I don't think he could even help it. He just lied incessantly we don't really know what the truth is and what the lies are because even with the murder castle the press just blew it out of proportion because at that point you gotta sell papers right so they made a lot of claims about the murder castle that may or may not be true and we don't really have a way to verify it so with that context in mind H.H. Holmes has become kind of a myth and a legend because there's so much mystery and, and intrigue in his story because we don't know the full truth, but people are still so obsessed with this story and the mystery that surrounds the story that we just keep coming back to it Even with historians, there's a lot of disagreement about what actually happened with H.H. Holmes. Some say he definitely was not as bad as people claimed, but others say he was worse than what people think. He tortured people. He dissected people. He sold their bones to people. And we don't know what the full truth is. I do believe personally that he killed quite a few people. I believe that he sold their bodies or got rid of them. I do believe he was a pretty horrible person that killed if you got in his way. If you knew too much, if you inconvenienced him, he would just kill you. And the craziest thing about this story to me, and this might seem a little weird, is how many ladies this man got. So I mentioned his quote unquote wives, but that's not counting all the mistresses this man had, like a lot of women found him attractive. And it's almost like they could sense that there was something dangerous about him, but they thought they could fi- I don't know. This is me just assuming things, but he attracted so many ladies. It was crazy. And a lot of them just vanished when they no longer were useful to him. So this story, like I said. Full of crazy twists, turns, all kinds of stuff. So, H.H. H. Holmes for this week is our horrible human in history. We may never know how many people actually died at his hand. We might not ever get that information. And I feel like we're just barely skimming the surface of H.H. H. Holmes' story today. Like, we're not diving really deep into the story, guys. I'm just giving you the facts. Well, quote-unquote facts that HH H. Holmes has provided and what I was able to find through historical documents and documentaries and articles and that kind of thing. But there's still so much mystery that surrounds this story. and I feel like if you have if you have any information about this that you want to share, let me know. Send me a message. I'm happy to share it on my podcast because I feel like there's just so much more information out there and I know there is, especially on this story. So feel free to let me know. Also, let me know if there's other horrible humans that you want to hear about. I want to get your guys' feedback. If there's someone that you want to hear about, I will do the research and I will tell the story. So let me know. So thanks for joining me on this first ever podcast of HHH. I hope you enjoyed this story about H.H. H. Holmes and the horrible things that he has done. Join me next time. We're going to be talking about a nurse, someone that everyone should be able to trust, but she delivers death. Her name is Jolly Jane Toppin. And if you have never heard about Jolly Jane, oh, you are in for a treat. Her story is crazy. And I will tell you what, I personally think she's worse than H.H. Holmes, but you'll have to hear the story to make your own decision. So tune in next time. Like I said, we will be doing a podcast once a week. Um, so make sure you join us when we talk about the nurse who should have been healing people was actually the angel of death. So join us next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of H.H.H., or horrible humans in history. See you guys next time. Bye.